Turn to page one tonight. Page number one in your gold hymnals. I stand in the maze, amazed in the presence, thankful for our Savior's love tonight. Aren't you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand all over the house. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love. Thank God. Hallelujah. Praise his name tonight. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my soul shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for grief, but sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for on the fourth now, he took my sin and my sorrow. He made them his very own. Thank God. He had my burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Sing, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love and the last now did have we already done that okay when with the ransom did <laughs> his face side oh yes i'm looking forward to that twill be my joy through the age Hey, sing that one again, again for good measure, amen. When with the ransomed of glory his face I at last shall see, twill be my the ages to sing of his love for me. Sing it out. How marvelous, how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me oh I like that song but I like this one too page number seven blessed be the name tonight uh, that's why we're here to bless the name of our Savior Jesus Christ amen Let's praise him tonight, church. <coughs> All praise to him who reigns. 
reigns above in majesty supreme who gave his son for man to die that he might man redeem yes blessed be the name blessed be the name blessed be the name of the lord blessed be the name Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. His name above all names shall stand, exalted more and more. At God the Father's own right hand, where angels host adore, sing, Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. The name of the Lord on the third, Redeemer, save your friend of mine, once ruined by the fall. Thou hast devised salvation, yes he did, hast died for all. Aren't you glad tonight? Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and the last, His name shall be the Counselor, the mighty Prince of Peace, of all earth's kingdoms conquerors, whose reign shall never cease. For blessed be the name Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn around, fellowship, one with another tonight. It's good to be in the Lord's house.
are here even on Wednesday night prayer meeting service, not to see or to be seen, but to praise the name of Jesus, and He is worthy of our praise tonight. Let me just ask you, has God done anything for you this week that would uh, cause you to be willing to praise Him? Amen? Amen. Amen. Just the fact that He let you come to church on Wednesday night, that right there is a reason to praise the Lord, is it not? Amen. God's been good to us. Appreciate health, strength, appreciate family, appreciate a roof over her head, clothes on her back, shoes on her feet. Amen. Just the fact that we are able to live. Amen. God forbid that we would waste any day. Uh, amen. And not take advantage of the opportunity that God gives us to lift up His name and magnify Him. That's the reason we're created. Not to brag on ourselves, but to brag on Jesus. Amen. I do appreciate you tonight. Appreciate uh, uh, another prayer meeting. Appreciate uh, this week. And uh, again, uh, appreciate another good uh, turnout for Wednesday night youth ministry. Appreciate all the kids that we have present. And amen. I think they're pretty rambunctious tonight. And amen. I think uh, Mike and Scott about had to break a couple of them's neck. No, I'm just kidding. Not that far. Just maybe an arm or a leg, but we won't break their neck. Hallelujah. Uh, amen, but appreciate the opportunity we have to bring them to church and tell them about, about Jesus. He is their hope, and without Christ there is no hope. Amen? amen? So praise the Lord. You pray for the teachers, pray for all those who are involved, uh, amen, uh, in working with these young people downstairs. You know, one hour a week is all we get, and that's not much compared to everything that they're bombarded with uh, throughout the week uh, by Satan and the things of this world. Just by way of announcement, we are in revival mode. Uh, again, revival, spring revival is almost here. And, uh, of course, I'm like a kid at Christmas this time of year. Uh, amen. Uh, just a special relationship with, that I have uh, with Brother Guy Roberts and excited about uh, him being with us next week. And, of course, uh, I do consider him a personal mentor of mine. So uh, all those things that you don't agree with me and, you know, whether it be my personality or the things I do, just blame it on him, amen, it's all his fault, and if it's not his fault, it's my dad's fault, praise God, <laughs> amen, so again, spring revival starts Monday night, uh, the 17th, it'll continue through Friday the 21st, uh, amen, 7 o'clock p.m. services, we will have special singing throughout the week, so you, uh, you come and bring somebody with you, we've still got a ton of flyers, appreciate those that were taken this past Sunday, but make sure you pick up another supply of flyers and get them out. Uh, take, you know, uh, take them throughout your neighborhood, take them, post them on the bulletin board at work, uh, give them to your friends and your family members, put them, uh, go tape some up in the, in the convenience stores or whatever. Just do everything you can to, to sow a seed. Uh, amen. Trust in God to uh, use it to draw somebody here that they'd hear the word of God and come to know Jesus as their Savior. So, uh, again, you excited about revival, amen? I cannot wait till next week. And if you've never heard Brother, Brother Roberts, you uh, are in for a treat. But, um, amen, he's bringing Miss Wanda with him, so everybody just better hold on for the ride. Hallelujah. Ladies Fellowship, luncheon on Saturday, April the 12th, Casa Nostra Restaurant, monthly meeting on Monday, May the 1st. 6 o'clock p.m. in the Fellowship Hall, Mother's Day Gathering, Saturday, May the 6th, 12 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. I tell you, I think we're going to have to tone these ladies down. They're just having a big party. No, I'm just kidding. I love it. 
and just thankful that they're able to gather together and uh, amen, just uh, enhance the work and ministries here of our church. Supplies still needed, uh, amen, uh, for the Wednesday night youth program. Don't forget the prayer gathering that will um, take place this Saturday, 11 o'clock in the morning at the courthouse. Remember that. Uh, also, revival will, will take place at uh, Greystone Free Will Baptist Church the last week of April. Brother Dylan Bailey is the pastor, my former pastor, under whom I answered the call to preach. And under, Brother Gary Norton will be bringing uh, those messages. And if you've never heard him preach, I would encourage you to make it out to that revival meeting also. Uh, anything that I'm missing or forgetting about uh, regarding the announcements? All right, prayer request, prayer request, some from Sunday. Let's do continue to uh, remember Matt Cutchall, remember him. Uh, also pray for uh, Reconciliation Ministries. Remember the Linda Canale family as we were able to attend those funeral services last night. And I wasn't planning on it, but I did get to speak and say a few words. Uh, amen to, to that family. Pray for Brother Dick, Miss Robin, Jason, and Chelsea, the entire family. Uh, amen. Remember Ray Crawford. Remember Tyler Brown uh, in prayer. Remember uh, Bob and Pat Price. Uh, you know, the good news is that Pat uh, received uh, news the first of the week that her brother John Whitaker is cancer-free uh, following his surgery. So I think that's a wonderful answer to prayer. Remember these two kids, Noel and Mary, ETSU students. Uh, continue to remember my brother-in-law, Chris McCoy. Pray for Miss Shayla Coggins. Remember Otis Melton, uh, amen. Remember Barbara Cottle, um, pray for, uh, let's say, Rianne Salyers, Miss Lula Cutchall, um, and then some from Sunday, if I can find them here. Um, let's see. Yeah, pray for Brooke Dunbar. Remember um, Emma Dunbar, uh, Emma, that's uh, Scott and Dee's granddaughter. Remember Oakley Boggs. Luke Buchanan and Miss Cheryl Davis requested prayer and then uh, appreciate uh, Becky giving me the name of a gentleman that I was able to visit with and have prayer with yesterday afternoon. Bobby Ripley has um, uh, rather serious cancer, uh, cancer all over his body. Uh, amen. Pray for him not only physically but spiritually that the Lord will work in his heart. Amen. So remember this request. Anything that you've got to add tonight, you can do so at this time. Remember Judy Darnell and her health, others tonight. Amen. Amen. Remember Becky's daughter and, and the kids and that the Lord would just continue to, uh, to, to work his will in that situation. Others this evening. Yeah, go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, we need to remember Sam and Barbie in prayer. Amen. Need to pray for each other, church. I tell you, we need, we've got to encourage one another and lift one another up during these tough days. God's still in control, isn't he? Yes. Amen. He's still on his throne. Somebody else this evening.
Y'all was quiet tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, that's good. I love to hear positive news, don't you? Praise report. Amen. It's good, Mike. Anyone else this evening? Amen. Wonderful. Amen. See, I like this kind of prayer, this, this prayer kind of prayer time. Not just asking the Lord for things, but thank Him for what He's already done. Amen. You know, there wouldn't be anything wrong with you thanking Him for what He's going to do. <laughs> Amen. That's part of praying a circle. Uh, Amen. Thanks in advance for what we believe is coming in the mail. Hallelujah. Any other needs? Pray for our nation. We need to pray for America. Pray for Israel as things are still very, very... Heated over there, the Ukraine situation. China and Taiwan is just very, uh, uh, amen, fragile to say the least. We had another shooting this week, is that right? Louisville, yes. The bank, how many died there? Five were killed? Part of the last day's lawlessness. Amen. Unspoken request tonight by the uplifted hand. Lost loved ones we need to pray about, pray for, pray for our missionaries. Amen. Let's pray for churches. I, uh, Holly and I were able to take the girls Sunday night after church to the to the Easter drama at um, um, at Central Baptist Church out on the Newport Highway, and all I'm going to say is I was thoroughly impressed it was very professionally done the gospel was presented and um, very effective uh, amen so uh, listen when we're not in co competition with other churches amen uh, we need to support those who are doing it right and are doing it according to the word of God so uh, praise the Lord for that we'll gather around the altar we'll bring these requests to the Lord if you'd like to join us you can do so if not pray there in your seats please Pray for Dee, Dee Dunbar, she just messaged me, said pray for her. Dad, will you lead us in prayer? Father, we do thank you tonight for this uh, privilege we have.
leave our building fund offering at this time so you give to the building fund if the Lord would have you to. Scott, you lead us in prayer. Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to uh, Jeremiah chapter number 31. Jeremiah chapter number 31 this evening. And uh, get right back into the study of Jeremiah. I do appreciate Mike uh, helping me out last week. And uh, continue moving right along through this chapter, through this book. If I recall, we were right about verse number 23, I do believe. Verse number 23, Jeremiah chapter number 31, if you found your place, say amen. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as yet they shall use this speech in the land of Judah. And in the cities thereof, when I shall bring again their captivity, the Lord bless thee, O habitation of justice and the mountain of holiness, and there shall dwell in Judah itself and in all the cities there together, husbandmen and they that go forth with flocks. For I have satiated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. Upon this I awakened, and behold, my sleep was sweet unto me. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel, and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of the beast. And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and to plant, saith the Lord. In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. But every one shall die for his own iniquity and every man that eateth the sour grape his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. Now this is very important, as this is the biblical record of what we might refer to as God's giving out of the new covenant unto the nation of Israel. Um, uh, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I 
took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband uh, unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make, saith the house of Israel. Uh, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in the inward part and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least uh, of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, hallelujah, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is His name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundation of the earth uh, searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the city shall be built uh, to the Lord from the tower of Hanael unto the gate of the corner. And the measuring line shall yet go forth over against it upon the hill Korah and shall compass about to Goath and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields under the brook of Kidron under the corner of the horse gate towards the east shall be holy unto the Lord it shall not be plucked up nor thrown down any more forever. Again, continuing our thoughts regarding this idea and thought, the best is yet to come. How many of you believe the best is yet to come? For the people of God, Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the privilege we have, Lord, to share these truths. Lord, I pray that we would take the example that you've made unto Judah and Israel, Lord, and apply it to our own hearts and lives. And Lord, even though things may seem bad right now, and Lord, the outlook of this world looks bleaker and darker than it ever has. Father, in reality, for those of us who are saved, these are our worst days. And God, for us, the best truly is yet to come. Not only for the church, but Lord, also for Israel. And God, Lord, we just do believe that you take serious the covenant that you made with your chosen people. And Lord, you... Uh, are determined to fulfill the promises you made to the Jews, God, to every dotting of the I and every crossing of the T. Lord, I pray that we would know that you are the, the, the God that keepeth covenant with your people unto a thousand generations. And Lord, I pray you'd use us this evening as we preach and share these truths. And Lord, we love you and we thank you, Father, for the Word of God and what it means to us. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's people said, Amen. All right, now, uh, what we see here is a transition. Now, if you remember in our last study, we really, uh, we really uh, just bore down on uh, these verses that deal with the children and the young people of the land of Israel. Those, again, Rachel and Ephraim were crying over her children, and uh, but yet God had promised to restore them and to bring them back. But yet the, the first uh, half or two-thirds, we might say, of chapter number 31 is dedicated to the northern kingdom of Israel. But now, beginning in verse um, 
uh, number 23, we see God shifting the focus of His attention off of Ephraim or Israel, the northern kingdom, and onto the southern kingdom of Judah. Of course, Jeremiah was the prophet to the southern kingdom. And that was the group that God uh, was currently dealing with in His own life and ministry. The uh, nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, had already been carried off into captivity by the Assyrians uh, under Nineveh. Uh, but now Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar was in the process of carrying uh, the southern kingdom of Judah. They, the, the, um, uh, the invasion had already begun. There was a remnant that had already been taken, which did include Daniel and the, he- the three Hebrew children. Many of the priests, the prophets, and even the king himself had been exiled unto Babylon and it was only a matter of time to where the entire city would be leveled and the temple itself, uh, uh, there would the, only the foundation would be left behind. The, the walls would be burned with fire. Thousands and thousands of, of Jewish people would be slain. Not just men but also women and children. And this was a very, very dark day uh, in and amongst God's people. Almost to the point that you would think that there would be no remedy. There would be no opportunity uh, for, uh, for the situation to be reversed. Not even God Himself could intervene. But I want to remind you tonight, church, that there is no such thing as a hopeless situation with God. Amen? Uh, as long as there is a God in heaven, there is hope. Do you believe that tonight? Uh, and we live in a world that seems hopeless. Uh, amen. You see one shooting after another and it's to the point to where it seems like uh, we ourselves have become desensitized and it's just another part uh, of the daily news. It's not if there's going to be another shooting, but where uh, is it going to happen? Amen. Uh, and, and boy, I tell you, it seems as we examine uh, the condition of our own land and our own nation and our own community right here in Greenville with drugs running rampant, families falling apart, Uh, but I'm telling you, friend, I believe that because God's still on His throne, there always has been and there always will be hope for the people of God. That's why it's important for us, uh, amen, to make sure that we put our hope not in the things of this world, but in the God of heaven. He is the source of our strength. He is our hope. And without Him, there is no hope. And it is good to have our young people up here tonight. Not sure why you're here, but I will say this. It's an opportunity for me to preach to you, so I'm going to take advantage of it. Hallelujah. And young people, I'm telling you, uh, right now you need to choose why you... Hey, let me just get up here. Uh, I mean, y'all can just hear me, all right? I know you might have a hard time hearing me, right? Amen. But listen, you need to make up your mind now, and you need to choose uh, very early on in your life that you are going to set your hope in the things of God and not in the things of this world. There's no hope in the world. There's no hope in drugs. There's no hope in alcohol. Boys, there's no hope in women. Let me promise you that. Hallelujah. Girls, that little boy, he'll promise you the world and he'll hang you out to dry. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, the one that never will fail you, he'll never forsake you. Amen. He'll do what he said he'll do. And when everybody else turns their back on you, God will still be there in your life. He is the God of all hope. And you need to set your hope in him while there's time. And you know, the Lord never promised us that, that times would be easy. 
Amen. We would have to go through some things. I promise you, from the oldest to the youngest, uh, you're going to go through some things before it's all said and done. Amen. All, the, only, the good thing about some of you older folks is uh, you've gone through some of your worst times. Amen. And it's almost over. For you young folks, there's going to be some hard days that you're going to have to go through before it's all said and done. So you better have somebody to help you. You better have somebody... Amen. To support you. Amen. You cannot make it and survive independent of God. God did not create you to operate on your own and to survive by yourself. You need a higher power to lead, guide, and direct your life. I've got some extra motivation to preach tonight with the teens being up here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So there's a restoration, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, As yet they shall use this speech in the land of Judah, in the cities thereof, when I shall bring again their captivity. Again, they were in the process of being carried away unto Babylon. And uh, kind of the, um, the word of the day was that God's forsaken Judah. God... God's turned His back on them, and, 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 and He'll never restore them. But God was promising at the midnight hour when it was as dark as it could be, when they were as low as they could be, amen, uh, you're going to go even further down uh, in the valley. But listen, one of these days I'm going to bring you up out of it. And friend, I want to say to you this evening, no matter what you're going through, you may be at the bottom of the barrel tonight, but God's able to bring you out of the valley. And set you on the mountain. Amen. Amen. And not only is He the God of the, the mountain, He's the God of the valley. He'll go with you through your valley. But then uh, in His way and according to His time, He'll bring you up out of it and He'll restore you. Amen. Aren't you thankful tonight that He's the God of, of restoration? How many of you know what it is to be restored? How many of you know what it is to go astray? How many of you... Uh, know what it is to, uh, uh, amen, get a little sidetrack on your journey. And young people, I want to say to you tonight that there will be times in your life to where you do get off track. And you, do, you will lose your sense of direction. See, we, we live in a world today to where it's hard for youngins to even know which way to go or where to turn. Can I give you some advice tonight, youngins? Uh, turn towards God. Run towards Him. Amen. But when we wander away like sheep, wandering off and outside the fold, aren't you glad we serve a good shepherd that's willing to go as far as he has to go to hunt us down and bring us back home? Don't you ever think you've gone too far? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful that, that, that God's arm is longer than my lowest valley. Did y'all hear that tonight? God's long, long, outstretched arm is long enough to lift me up out of the lowest valley. And I'll tell you what, I've been through some things, and I know some of you all have as well, that I didn't think that not even God Himself could bring me out of. But over time, He showed me and He proved to me, amen, that He was able to lift me up out of that pit and put me on a rock. Amen. Aren't you thankful that He is the God of restoration tonight? feel like preaching all of a sudden. There's a description. The Lord bless thee, O habitation of justice. 
and mountain of holiness. Now I'm sure that when Judah was going through this, listen, judgment's not a pleasant thing. And, and we have already saw earlier in the chapter the fact that God's people were so used to having it good, <laughs> they were spoiled by the blessings. They weren't used to judgment. They weren't used to the heavy hand of God falling down upon them over their sin. And they didn't know what to do and they didn't know how to react. And it seemed as if God was being unjust. These are His chosen people and He's allowing them to suffer. Amen. But I want to remind you that He is a God of justice. Amen. He's a God of righteousness. He does all things well regardless of what we go through and what we face. Amen. As long as we lend ourselves to Him, He'll do right by us. Friend, the world will do you wrong. Jesus will do you right. Amen? God ain't never done me nothing but good tonight, church. Amen? The world's done me bad. Amen? The world, the devil will promise you the world. And, amen? And he'll leave you, he'll leave you empty-handed. But Jesus will far exceed your expectations. Amen? Habitation of justice. Do you know I can trust my life in God's hands? Amen? That's right. You know, sometimes we want to take control. That old song, Jesus, take the wheel. We need to get, it, we need to, we need to get Him. He's not our co-pilot. He's our pilot. Amen? He's in the captain's chair. He knows how to guide and steer your life better than you do. Amen, you need to let Him call, uh, call the shots and pull the strings. Amen, He knows more than you do about what you need. He knows the things that you're going to face in life before they, you ever even are aware of them. Amen. So, He's a God who's worthy to be trusted. Now there is a habitation, and there shall dwell in Judah itself, and in all the cities thereof together, husbandmen and they that go forth with flocks. How many of you tonight are thankful you're a part of the Lord's flock? <laughs> I'm one of His sheep. He's a good shepherd, amen. But I'm thankful that one day He took me out of the devil's sheepfold, amen. I was, a, I was one of the devil's goats, but He turned me into the ones, the, one of the Lord's little lambs. Hallelujah. Satisfaction. For I have satiated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. You know, I'm thankful for a song that I was taught when I was young. We used to sing it. Pam taught it to us in, in, in youth when I was these teenagers. Me and Josh were a part of the teenage class uh, years ago. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Can I say that again tonight? Young people, you listening to me? Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Amen. Jesus will do for you what nobody else can do. Jesus will do for you what alcohol cannot do. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's no hangovers with Jesus, hallelujah. You don't have to worry about waking up after having a good time the night before, not knowing who you're with or what you've been involved in. Man, He'll, he'll satisfy you. Amen. Even in your darkest hour, just knowing that He's with you brings peace, contentment, and satisfaction into your life. Now notice what He says in verse number 26. I love this. 
Now again, we're talking about times of darkness. Can you imagine the burden and the pressure and the stress that Jeremiah was under? I mean, he'd been persecuted for years. They'd made fun of him. I mean, they'd labeled him as being a, pro, a troublemaker and a culprit. Amen, you, you big mouth prophet, speaking gloom and doom. Amen, putting him in prison. Amen, beating him for telling the truth and doing the right thing. But let me ask you, do you think Jeremiah took any pleasure or got a thrill to see his prophecies come to pass? And, and, and even, amen, the Lord vindicate him and realize that and reveal that he was right all along. No, he didn't take any pleasure. To see his beloved nation, uh, amen, the Jewish people, uh, amen, uh, uh, being torn apart by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. So this situation was no doubt very hard and difficult for Jeremiah. But look what he said. Verse number 26, because of God, because his hope was in the Lord, because God was going to restore his people, because God was a God of justice and righteousness. He never makes any mistakes. He does all things well. And he's able to satisfy our weary soul and replenish us in our time of sorrow. How many of you believe that the Lord's able to replenish you during your time of sorrow? Isn't that great? Verse 26, upon this I awaken and beheld in my sleep was sweet unto me. Isn't that good? I mean, during the darkest hour, the most unknown situation, Jeremiah was able to lay his head down on his pillow at night and rest well, knowing that his life was in the hands of a holy God, that God was still on his throne. Amen. And whatever happened, God was going to do right by his people. And friend, in these days of uncertainty, to where we, where we have no idea what we're going to wake up to from one day to the next. Do you know, friend, you could go to sleep a free man and wake up a slave? Do you know you could go to bed at night with a nice home to live in and you can wake up and a storm or a tornado's come and blown everything you have away? Am I telling the truth tonight? Young people, you know, and I'm not trying to scare you, but you could go to school one day thinking everything's right. All right, but before the day's in, a, a shooter comes in and, and blows you and your friends out of this world. See, I, I didn't have to worry about that as much. I'll never forget when Columbine happened. That was kind of the first real polarizing. I mean, it was all, it was national news. It was just the focus uh, of everything. Everybody... Nobody could believe what happened in Colorado. Of course, now it's just a normal thing. But we didn't have to worry about the things that you guys have to worry about. But yet still knowing that God's with you and knowing that your life is in His hand and knowing that He is your shield, your shelter, He's your portion, He's your provider, He's everything you need. Amen. That in times of uncertainty, you still can enjoy the joy and the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Amen. I'm thankful I know what it is to be in the eye of the storm tonight. Don't you? Amen. Population, verse 27. Thank you, young people. Appreciate you, your attention tonight. God bless you. Population. Man, there goes my motivation to preach. Now I've got to get back to preaching to you all. 
you old folk. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's kind of hard to change a message in mid, <laughs> mid-stride. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. The land was being laid to waste. Before it was all said and done, there would not be any inhabitants left. Can you imagine that? Not just in Jerusalem, but the entire land of Judah. Uh, there would, there, there, there would be, the land would be so desolated that it would be impossible to, to survive and to habit. To, to, to live in. Not just for man, but for animals. The land would be so devoured and devastated and burned with fire. There would be no grass and no fruit and no vegetation for the animals. You know, it's hard for us to comprehend that kind of devastation, isn't it? But did you know it could potentially happen to America? I, I'm talking about to where the land is so desolate that it's uninhabitable that's hard for us to comprehend isn't it that's what happened in Judah if it happened to them it could happen to us couldn't it there's a redemption and it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict so will I watch over them to build and to plant saith the Lord I'm thankful that when God judges, when God chastens, when God providentially allows destruction, when God allows our lives to, quote, be harmed, it's not meant or intended for our permanent detriment. I mean, sometimes God plows the field of our lives so He can plant a new crop. (laughs) Sometimes God allows one vessel of your life to be broken so he can pick up the pieces and remold and remake your life into another vessel better than the one before. When he, when he plucks up, when he tears down, amen, when, when he closes one door, <laughs> he's able to open another one. Isn't that great? See, in, in our finite minds, we, something bad happens in our lives. And even, even when it's a time of judgment, there's no doubt about it, this was a time of, of retribution, chastisement. God was dealing harshly with His chosen people because of their sin. And if you have never experienced that, you will. But, but when we're, as children, growing up, when mom and daddy has to lay the wood to us, amen? Man, I'm just doing this because I, I love you. And you know? We can't see how hurt, harm, or pain could actually be beneficial to us. But when God allows negative things to happen in our lives or even in this world, He doesn't do so to to leave our lives desolate and barren, but He does so in order that He might replant and recultivate a new crop that's better than the first one. And that's kind of the thrust of this entire chapter. Amen. God's saying, it may be bad right now, but when it's all said and done, Judah, Jerusalem, and Israel will be better off than she's ever been. Isn't that great? What a wonderful God we serve. There's a victimization. Verse number 29, In those days they shall say no more, The fathers 
have eaten a sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now this is kind of weird. What in the world is Jeremiah saying? You know, I think he's talking about the, uh, amen, the rotting effect that certain foods have on your teeth. But he's talking about the fathers eating the grapes and the children's teeth are the ones that end up rotting out because of it. Right? You know, we do live in a world right now to where the innocent are suffering for the deeds of, uh, of, those, of those who really are guilty. Amen? And that's one of those things that's hard for us to fathom. Lord, why would you allow the innocent to suffer? Why would you allow an innocent child to become a victim of a school shooting? I mean, don't even ask me because I don't know any more than you do. We, just, we live in a world of injustice. Amen? And, and the truth of the matter is, in this mixed up, messed up world we live in, the righteous often suffer while the wicked seemingly prosper. Am I telling the truth tonight? But one of these days, God's going to turn the tables. And God's going to make all things right. And it just seems as if those who are doing wrong are going to get away with it. And, and, and you know, sometimes when we serve the Lord and we live for Him and we do our best to do the right thing, we think that we're the ones getting the raw end of the deal. Anybody know what the preacher's talking about tonight? <laughs> I mean, why would I live for God? You know, Paul, why would I preach when it gets me thrown in prison? <laughs> I wanted to go to Asia. You said go to Macedonia. And what happened? Well, I ended up in prison for it, for doing the right thing. But friend, there is a reward at the end of the day. Payday's coming. Amen? And when it's all said and done, the reward is going to be worth all the trouble. Do you believe that tonight? If I didn't, why would I keep going? If I did not believe that it would be worth it all at the end of the road, why would I serve God? Why would I live for God? But I'm telling you, weeping may endure for the night, but for the child of God, joy comes in the morning. Just hold on a little longer. Helps on the way. The best is yet to come for the people of God. If you believe that, say amen tonight. Amen. Resolution, verse 31. Now this is, this is really the, I mean, this really is the most important part of the, the chapter. In fact, it is one of the most important features of the entire book of Jeremiah, even though we don't often associate it with that. Resolution, verse number 31 Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. A future new covenant that was promised. Now, there's several covenants that are made in the Bible. We don't have time to discuss them. The Edenic covenant, the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve in the garden. The Noahic covenant, the covenant that God made with Noah after the flood when he promised never to destroy the world again by flood. The Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham that through his seed shall all the families of the world be blessed. The Mosaic covenant that the Lord made with Moses. The giving out of the law. 
Amen? The Davidic covenant that God uh, provided through David. But here we find a new covenant. And this new covenant is, com is complicated because although it primarily relates to Israel, there are benefits to the new covenant to we Gentiles as well. Let me just share some scripture with you. Romans 11, 26 and 27, And so all Israel shall be saved. God's not finished with Israel, church. Amen? As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, by the way, Jesus, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. You've heard me say it before, but Je Israel, the nation of Israel as a whole, is currently under a curse of blindness. Because they rejected Christ. And ever since they said no to Jesus, God blinded their eyes, darkened their hearts. And although there are, there's a remnant, there are few Jews that turn to Jesus right now. For the most part, God has temporarily turned away from Israel. And He's right now currently dealing with we Gentiles. And I say praise God for it. Because it's through their unbelief that we, uh, amen, who are aliens of the tribe of Israel we've been given an opportunity to, to, to be grafted in to the olive tree of God. But one of these days, God's going to say, enough is enough. The time of the Gentiles. Matthew talks about the time of the Gentiles. The fullness of the Gentiles will end at the end of the tribulation. God's going to use the severe persecution, not that the world, but that the Jews are going to go through during the time of Jacob's trouble, such as they've never experienced before. In fact, it'll be so severe that one would even wonder. It, it will be miraculous in nature, the fact that anybody in Israel could survive what they're going to go through. But through that persecution, God is going to lift the veil from off their face. Their eyes are going to be open. And finally, they are going. the Jewish people, the nation of Israel as a whole, is going to turn to Christ and they're going to accept Christ as both their Messiah and their deliverer. And at that point in time, the fullness of the Gentiles ends and the new covenant. Amen. The, the principles of the new covenant, the promises that God made to His chosen people will be fulfilled just as God gave them to Israel hundreds of years ago, or actually thousands of years ago now at the hand of Jeremiah. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. Hebrews 8, let me read these verses to you. Verse number 6. But now hath he obtained, speaking to Jesus, a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. And this, he's quoting in Hebrews. Paul here is quoting the very scriptures in Jeremiah we're currently studying. In the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. 
and I will write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor, right out of our text here in Jeremiah, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities while I remember no more. And that he saith, A new covenant, he that hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Then, Hebrews 10, 14 through 17, by, For by one offering he hath perfected, Jesus hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The promise of a new covenant that primarily relates to God's chosen people, the, Jew, the Jews, yet currently we Gentiles have been grafted in. And we are partaking of. In other words, we are enjoying the blessings right now currently of the new covenant that God has prepared for His chosen people, the Jews. And you could study Romans chapter 11 and you'll find that God, you know, we see the providence of God. Israel rejected Christ so that God might use their rejection to give we Gentiles an opportunity to be saved. But yet God's going to use our salvation and the fact that we are currently partaking of the blessings of the new covenant that was designed and intended for Israel to provoke the Jews to jealousy and bring them back to Christ. Isn't that wonderful to see the purpose, the, sov the, the providential purpose of God to take that which seems evil to us and make good out of it? Only God could do that. Contradiction, verse number 32, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Speaking of the Mosaic covenant. The covenant that God made with Israel at Sinai. Verse 32, a transgression, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband to them, said the Lord, God was faithful to Israel, but Israel was unfaithful to God. They broke. See, there is such a thing as a conditional and an unconditional covenant. An unconditional covenant means that God's going to do what He's going to do regardless of our response. That's the kind of covenant I like. Because one thing about God, you can count on Him to do what He's supposed to do. On the other hand, you can't say that about we human beings. See, on the, that's an unconditional covenant. The fact that God is going to keep, God's going to do this regardless of our reaction or our response. But then a conditional covenant means God, God's saying, I'll do this, but my willingness to do this is based upon you being willing to do your part. See, God made such a covenant with Israel at Sinai. He said, I'll bless you. I'll be a God to you as long as you serve me, as long as you, you put no other gods before me. But you better not forsake me and start worshiping other gods. Amen. Or I'll judge you. And that was the conditions that Israel broke. They were unfaithful 
to their end of the covenant. It was a conditional covenant. The new covenant will be an unconditional covenant. It's just going to happen. God's going to do it. Not because Israel deserved it, not because they earned it or worthy of it, but it's just a new thing that God's going to do simply because He is God and there's none like Him. And there's nobody that can challenge Him. When He says, I'm going to do it, then you just better sit down because it's going to happen, brother. Hallelujah. Designation, verse 33, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Alright? An internalization. Here is the great distinction between the blessings of the, the new covenant. This is the great distinction between the blessings and the benefit of the new covenant as opposed to the restrictions of the old covenant. Verse 33, After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. See, with the old covenant, it was an external covenant. Amen. Uh, amen. It was a covenant that was made outside of man. It was an, an external. It was a it was a tangible and a physical law that could be broken. The new covenant is a spiritual and an internal covenant. It's not something that God does that man can do undo on the outside. But it's something that God does in man's heart internally and spiritually on the inside. And once God does it, it cannot be undone or reversed, praise His name. An internalization. I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. You know that's what God's done for you if you're saved tonight. <laughs> you know what you are if you're a Christian? You are a living epistle. God has inscribed. God has branded you. <laughs> God has branded you and sealed you with the internal badge of the Holy Spirit of God. Internally. He's given you His seal. You have an identification. You have credentials <laughs> that you belong to Him. You ever been somewhere and somebody said, let me see your credentials. Let me see your idea. Oh, I forgot it. I left it at home. Huh? You don't have to worry about losing your credentials with God. Why? Because God made sure they just wasn't uh, given to you in your billfold, but He's branded them on your heart. Amen. Boy, you're missing an opportunity to shout. Amen. The superiority of the new covenant, a possession. And I'm going to be their God, and they shall be my people. End of story. No conditions, no rules, no restrictions, no what ifs. Not, I'll do this if you do part, I, do your part. He's just saying this is the way it's going to be. Enjoy the benefits. It's going to last forever. Attention. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. See, here's the crazy thing about. Israel's part of the new covenant. The Bible says in those days we read at Romans chapter 11, all Israel shall be saved. All. Now there's different views and ideas. Some people believe that when, when Paul wrote all Israel shall be saved, that means that all Jews going all the way back through the history of time are going to be saved. I don't think that's what Paul meant. Why? Because Jews are just like we Gentiles. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to come through Christ. 
and Christ alone. If you reject him, you'll go to hell just like the Gentiles will. But he, I, I believe he's talking about in those days, all of Israel, those who are alive in Israel during the last days, the nation as a whole will turn to Christ. And there, will, there won't be a need to witness to your neighbor. There, won't be, a, uh, there won't, won't be a reason for you to say, hey, why don't you believe in God? He is the Messiah. He's the Savior. There won't be a need for that because, amen, during the millennium, millennial reign when the promises that God made to Israel and the new co covenant that God foretold at the hand of Jeremiah, when those promises are fulfilled, everyone will believe. All Israel will believe. I'm just telling you what the Bible, isn't that great? It won't be, man, if you, in our day, it's, it's impossible to get, a, it's, it's hard to get a majority, yet, let alone a unanimous opinion. But in that day, there, there will, it'll be unanimous. Jesus is Lord. Christ is Savior. He is the Messiah. What a day that'll be. Inclusion, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. Speaking of the Jews, God's no respecter of persons. Certainly an eradication. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This is specifically talking about the national sin of Israel when they chose, the Jewish people chose to reject Christ. They are still suffering and being punished for that sin as we speak. Their sin remains unpardoned and unforgiven. But there's going to come a day... God's going to remove the veil. The blinders are going to fall off and God's going to say, what sins are you talking about? What a blessing. Preservation, thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. He's just, all Jeremiah do, he's establishing the fact that he is the creator and sustainer of all things. God's the one that gives the sun light. He's the one that uh, created. He hung the, amen, he flung the stars uh, off of his fingertips when he spoke the worlds into existence. The power of God to preserve and, all th and sustain all things. <laughs> Verse 35, the Lord of hosts is his name, the God of angel armies. Amen. He's a warrior. He's a fighter. He's a, he's a victor. He's a conqueror. He's a commander and he's a king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. An illustration. I'm getting somewhere. Verse 37, thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured. Can heaven above be measured? No. And the foundation of the earth searched out beneath. Can the, can the foundation of the earth be searched out beneath? No. He said, if that can happen. See, he's, he's kind of using a little tongue in cheek here. He's saying... If He said, you let somebody measure the heavens and you let somebody search out the foundation of the earth and then at that moment and that point, then and only then will I cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. God is confirming and establishing the, the irrefutable and undeniable fact that God is not done with Israel. Erection, verse 38. Behold, the days come, the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananiel unto the gate of the corner. 
you got to understand, they were looking at a city that had been wiped off the map. Nothing left. God's saying, just wait, I'm going to rebuild it. And, when, and in its, in its, uh, its reestablishment, Jerusalem will be greater than she's ever been. And friend, that's still future. I know Jerusalem exists today, but she does not exist as Jeremiah is foretelling. One of these days, the city of Jerusalem, literal Jerusalem. Amen? There's spiritual Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's the dwelling, that's the abode and the dwelling place of the church. But physical, literal Jerusalem that will be rebuilt and reestablished during the millennial kingdom. Jesus Christ is going to reign for a thousand years on, from the throne of his father David. It's going to be the greatest city that's ever been on the face of the planet. Amen. Calculation, verse 39. And the measuring line shall yet go forth over against it upon the hill Garib and shall compass about to go up. He's just giving the dimensions, the, the size, the height, the, 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 the breadth and the enormity of that city, that great city, that will one day be built for His glory. The desecration, this is important, verse 40. And the whole valley of the dead bodies. He's talking about the valley of Hinnom. <laughs> the place where they had pre or they well yeah they had previously offered up their own children as sacrifices. The valley of Hinnom. Molech. You remember me talking about Molech, the false god, offering their own children up as sacrifices unto false god. Now what was happening is this was the location. He calls it the brook Kidron, which was which is the valley right outside the eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem, the, the valley of Kidron. That is the place, that was ground zero in Jeremiah's day of the, they called it, remember remember earlier in the book we said that Hinnom will be called the valley of great slaughter? That's the place to where the most Jewish soldiers, it was strewn about with dead bodies, which is a huge deal for the Jews because they were not permitted to touch a dead body. To do so, in other words, that entire valley that had been once considered sacred, but they had used it to offer up their own kids to false idol. God said, all right, let me show you what I'm going to do to it. He allowed the entire valley to be desecrated by dead carcasses of Jews who had been slain at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Look what he says. The whole valley of the dead bodies. I mean, that's what they, it was so bad that that's what, the, it's just the valley of dead bodies. The valley of carcasses. Or see, for see this, this stuff was be, it, the exact things that Jeremiah had foretold throughout the book, throughout his ministry. The valley of Hinnom will become the valley of slaughter. It had happened just as he said it would. And all of the ashes and all the fields and the brook of Kidron under the horse gate toward the east that had been desecrated and defiled. By the filth and the rot of death. Of course, they defiled it when they offered their kids up to Molech. What goes around comes, comes around. Can I get a witness? But listen to what he says. Verse 40, shall be holy unto the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Continuation, it shall not be plucked up nor thrown down anymore forever. 
In other words, God was going to take that valley, the valley of Kidron. See, that is the place to where the... the You've you got to understand in, in Jerusalem, remember we talked about Palm Sunday, Jesus riding down on the, donk, the donkey out, down off the Mount of Olives. Amen? And into, through the eastern gate, into the city of Jerusalem. Guess where he went right through? The valley of Kidron. It was a place of consecration and holiness because that's where the king was going to come in. They'd used that valley to offer up their own kids. And God said, all right, I'm taking it and I'm turning it into a valley of slaughter. Defilement. You can't even touch it. I mean, just the ultimate slap in the face to the Jewish people. So just wait, one of these days it'll be a place of holiness. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to restore it. I'm going to take the bad. And he said, I'm going to make all things brand new. When it's all said and done, everything that I've done here to judge this land and this people will be a forgotten memory. Aren't you thankful that God's able to take the worst and turn it into the best? And regardless of how bad things may seem to be right now in our, in our world, one of these days, the best is yet to come. Both for the church as well as God's chosen people, the Jews. Amen. Let's all stand. Father in heaven, I love you. Thank you for helping me preach tonight. Lord, how exciting this has been to study these truths. And Lord, I thank you, Father. Lord, and I pray that we've received hope tonight. God, there's no such thing as an irredeemable situation. Father, I'm thankful, Lord, that no matter how far down in the valley we may get, God, Your arm's still long enough to reach down and bring us out. Father, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation with God because you are the God of all hope. And Lord, I pray that no matter what happens in America, no matter what happens in Greenville, Tennessee, no matter what happens at United Baptist Church, no matter what happens in our lives or our families, for the people of God, you've branded your law on our hearts. <laughs> God, you have sealed us. We have credentials by way of the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, for we who are saved, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's people said, Amen, you are dismissed.